0: All right, I think I am going to aptly rename our podcast today from F1 Track This to the Daniel Ricciardo Hour. It is good to be back, and we're talking Formula One, the Hungarian Grand Prix. And I am super excited, and obviously who's on the line with me, and Matthew know how excited I am that Daniel Ricciardo is making his return to Formula One. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Hi, guys, how's it going? <laughs>
1: Hey, Kriya. Hey, Chops. How you doing? Hey, I'm
2: good. Matt and yourself.
1: All good. All good. Happy to be back and happy to talk about juicy news.
0: It is juicy news, and we're going to obviously start with Daniel Ricciardo because I feel like this is going to take up a majority of our discussion time today. Uh, Matthew, as our Red Bull aficionado, obviously Daniel is making his return. Not to a Red Bull, but to an Alpha AlphaTauri, uh, which is their sister team. This is great for us. We're excited. I'm excited. I don't know how excited you are.
1: Look, I'm very excited. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo has always been a fantastic person and personality. And let's just dig our claws into something that people are asking about. So what happened with Nick DeFries? So Nick DeFries, teammate with Yuki Tsunoda. They've been doing okay. Tsunoda obviously outperforming his teammate. But De has finished an average of P14 and higher. He only scored P9 in Monza. So it gave them a bit of hope in the beginning, but not necessarily as much. Daniel came in as a reserve driver, and he's just been showing them significant data. And, And chops, that's something you're very familiar with. So they'll compare the data to Daniel in the sim. They'll put Nick in the sim, and they'll go hand in hand. And obviously data speaks volume. They put him in the Pirelli test car. He drove the RB19. And... In terms of Red Bull, yes, it was a sucky thing, but they needed a pickup. As the sister team, you can't be seeing something as lagging behind, and Daniel was a marketing dream, not only for the team, but for their PR. Red Bull needed some good PR. Um, Max does an okay job. Sergio does an okay job, but Daniel, (laughs) he comes in and he brings this really nice flair. He did a, a great stint at Red Bull. He left for reasons. He went to Alpine, did well. McLaren wasn't good, and I think the team sees something in him that's a little bit beyond what most people can see. So he brings a lot more to the team. He brings personality. He brings marketing. He brings good PR. And again, when it's someone like Nick De Vries who's finishing almost stone last and not performing, we also have to we don't forget that Nick De Vries is an F two champion. He's a formerly E champion. He's got the experience. Twenty eight years old. So I think with that being said, and them comparing the data. Giving Daniel a shot definitely is a good step in the right direction for them. You know, Alpha Tari do need to get more points. Each point in the constructors earns more money for them, more time in the tunnel, all of those things. So I think for them, it's it's an all-round win for the team. Sucky because Formula One is very cutthroat, but I mean, if you look at the cold hard facts, I mean, it's the perfect fit for him and he's working towards getting back into that Red Bull seat. If he will, I'm not really sure. But yeah, Nick was just on the cutting block. He's also damaged the car a lot, cost the team a lot of money. So to get Daniel in more experienced, a more fitting role for him, I think he can bring Alpha Tari for being the sucky second team to actually something that people want to back. And that's important for not only the sport, but also for, for Red Bull and Alpha
0: Tari. Chops, let's talk about it from you know, the perspective that Daniel hasn't been a car, in, been in a car for the last couple of months. Yes, okay, cool. They've been getting some time. He's getting, you know, a, a bit of time behind the virtual wheel. But how much does that affect a driver who had three really crappy seasons in a row and now we're all super excited that he's getting back into an Alpha Tauri? How much preparation needs to go into this? Is he just going to, like, muscle memory, get into the car, and it clicks back in again?
2: Well, there's 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 a couple of aspects that come to it. Well, the muscle memory is one thing, but the ability to be able to hustle a car in a very different format that you're, you're used to. Because remember, all these cars are different from how they set up their cockpits and how their buttons work for the differentials, for – everything else that needs to be operated on the wheel. So that he's got to adjust to. But I I just think, uh, more importantly, he's had time behind the simulator. Their simulators are as close as to the real thing, except that there's no wind blowing down the straight. Now you can see what the car is going to behave like. The truth of the matter is we will see what he's capable of. We know that he's a, he's a good driver. He's probably going to be in many ways than one quicker than uh, his teammate, Tsunoda. But um, it's a good thing he's there. Matthew has said it. He's got a lot of following. He's a marketable guy. He's, he he is the package. He just now needs to be fast and get into the right car and go and deliver what he's he salt's worth again.
0: And obviously, he wants to go into this race chops qualifying above Yuki, just to kind of cement his place right like as a, as a new driver coming in you want to have that little bit of a uh, yeah. you know feather in your cap
2: yeah the, the experience will put him there because remember he's had more experience than yuki and 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 the car definitely yeah. is going to play a, a big role but if you look at how the maturity and the experience he's had before that's what he brings into the team how to set it up so that it's much faster. Of course, they'll have all the uh, the systems from an electronic version of how they think the car's going to be quicker. But at, at the end of the day, it sometimes boils down to the driver because the driving style um, sort of is encompassed in the whole package. So it's one thing to set it up electronically, it's one thing to set it up with the driver. So that experience is what Ricardo brings onto the table and the fact that he's had enormous amount of respect with Red Bull, and he just fits into that team like a glove, because he knows those people, those people know him.
0: Matthew, you alluded to this just now, and it's a point that I've been hearing quite a lot, or seeing quite a lot on social media, is the chances of Danny coming back and replacing Checo as the second driver within the Red Bull team. What possibility is there of this happening? And, you know, oh, is, is Red Bull that cutthroat that we're going to see those big changes happening by next season?
1: Look, Red Bull's always been quite a dominant team, and they do have the ability to make those kind of harsh decisions. But, you know, in, in reality, if we look at how the team's been running, I've been supporting the team since forever in a day when Mark Webber was still there. So the hierarchy goes as so. You've got two top-performing drivers in the top team. And, you know, if they just remain complacent, so Max is the dominant one and Sergio is just picking up the slack, if that's how everyone sees it, then what you do as a team, you kind of put a burner under the seat. So that gives the driver, you know, more of a desire to perform and more of a chance to show his best ability all the time. Because as a top performing team, you've got to have two top performing drivers. So Daniel comes in to add that bit of pressure to Sergio. Look, he hasn't had the best of races for the last bit, but. It definitely is the ability. We've seen how it happened with Nick De Vries. So if Sergio doesn't perform as well as he should, and the data and the time and the performances at AlphaTire that Daniel has, he could have the ability to slot in as the second driver with Max. But it's kind of up in the air. It's not something that they would harshly do. They would obviously have to see how his season would go for the rest of this year. Um, but definitely is a bit of a possibility. But ultimately, the role of Daniel to come in, is he's bringing a lot of good PR but at the same time he's putting that additional pressure on Sergio to perform better so that he can match Max's skill or match his performance times. because if not he's an easy slot and Sergio
0: gets on the chopping block. Okay so what I'm hearing from both of you is that we're we're very hopeful but kind of fluffy around the situation. Let's cut out all the BS here guys. What do we think? Chops, is he going to perform or not? Yes or no?
2: Well, Daniel will perform. Checo will perform. There's something that people tend to forget about Checo. Checo is not a Max Versteppen. He's not from the first lap to the last lap um, solid, if I may put it that way. But more importantly, what we are forgetting is that there are certain grand prix and there are certain weekends where the man's got the measure on Max, but eight out of ten, Max has got the measure. So he's not there. He's not a guy who's going to win a championship. I've, I kept saying this: as long as he's got a strong driver like Max Verstappen, and if you ask me about this move where Ricardo is probably going to come in back doors and be a teammate to Max. That remains to be seen, I still think that relationship is not going to work.
0: I mean it didn't work the first time, guys <laughs> yeah,
2: it didn't work before it'll never work again, because Ricardo coming back into the scene, he definitely wants to stamp his authority and be seen to be a driver that's worth that seat, and to be worth that seat, you need to go toe to toe with max
0: I know I know i can I can see Matthew's ears are burning. Tell me what you think <laughs> look um.
1: So i just got a lot to prove. But again, look, Daniel's quite a hungry boy. And um, there's obviously a reason he's back in the sport. And uh, to be honest, if you put yourself in Daniel's shoes, obviously everyone has yet to see him perform. But I think he's he's literally all or nothing now because he's tried, he's gone through basically three teams. He's gotten every second, he's got more than nine lives now. So now it's his do or die chance. He has to perform and put in the work. I mean, we all love him. He's all very favorable amongst people, but he has to put in the work because, to be honest, amongst all of us, this is his last chance. And if he doesn't Mm. have it in the second team, then we have to admit that Daniel's done and he has to go try something else. So I think he will perform based on the fact that he's got a lot more desire and hunger than a lot of the other drivers because he's got a lot to prove now and everybody knows it. But uh, like Chops was saying, you know, Sergio can't go toe-to-toe with Max but he's a street king and he's very good on street circuits, but he is someone that can get the team to get the constructor's points. And someone like Danny, if he can prove to be that person, they'll consider their options. But again, it's Daniel has to prove himself. I, I love him to bits, but to be honest, it's a performing team. And if Daniel doesn't perform out of the first couple of races, then I don't know, then I think we all just gave him too much gas, just because he's a likable person.
0: Yeah, I always think back to um, what was it? Redemption in 2018 at uh, Monaco. It was yeah. his redemption race. This is his redemption season 2.0, um, <laughs> and I can see yep. him coming on to the team radio at the end of Sunday's race, going, "No, I made it, guys." You thought I was gone, as his famous words are, but I'm back, Redemption 2.0. Oh,
1: yeah. It's going to be that.
0: (laughs) All right, Shame. let's leave Daniel Ricciardo because I feel like we're all hyping him up so much that the world is sitting on his shoulders at the moment. And um, he's got lots of pressure to kind of, um, you know, live up to. And I think another thing that's going to put a little bit of pressure on him and Yuki is the fact that AlphaTauri is bringing some great updates to their car in in Hungary, Chops.
2: Yeah, look, the updates are always something that have remained to be seen. I mean, I can't just get over the fact that in Silverstone, it was like unbelievable to see McLaren right up top mm. there. And coming from, I think, from Norway, if I may put it that way, because the teams that are strong is Mercedes, Ferrari, um, Red Bull, and Red Bull. Those are the cars that you expect to have That leap, that propelled them into the podium. But McLaren was really unbelievable. And you've got to take your hats off for them. They've done a wonderful job. So Hungary will prove it's a very tough circuit. And in last year, it favoured the Ferrari for a while. And to a certain point, I I do strongly feel you're going to see the Red Bull dominance here again uh mm. mclaren i don't know if they'll be where they were you know i i just think someone else will have come in and would come in with a better development because because mercedes was knocking on the door and it favored them at the time so hunger is quite a a driver's circuit and a chassis um circuit as well and a power circuit so we'll see how that one rolls out.
0: let's actually talk british grand prix because Matthew, it was a great 11th in a row win for Max. He's going after that record of having the most amounts of wins in a row. Um, we start there as a quick, you know, take our hats off to him because that is an like an amazing achievement.
1: No, it definitely is. That was the one thing that Max wanted and credit where due. Lewis always got it. And it was the one thing that Max really desired. He's never won Silverstone. So to get that, that was, you know, a nod to him. And I think... As he starts to get all those sort of accolades that Lewis has had, people will slowly start to realize that you look, he's not just all luck. He's, he's a very good driver. So he did fantastically well, and he, he drove phenomenally. A lot of surprises behind him, like Chops was saying with the McLarens. But you know, it's not to say that McLaren are back. It's, it's a one-hit wonder for me. I've seen what kind of upgrades they've done, um, and it was drove the luck for Norris being there, but. I don't think that one race will dictate their season to be at the top. I think they've got a long way to go. But in terms of Max, it's really great for him. Um, also, look for Sergio, climbing back, getting those positions back after where he started. Mm-hmm. So really good points for the team. But, yeah, it's, it's really special for Max because he's really just ticking them off
0: the list. Let's talk quickly. And Chops, you can maybe give me more insight into this. Let's be serious. Lewis, at some stage, could have overtaken Norris a million times in that race, and there just wasn't an overtake.
2: Lap 43 was where he could cement it, and it just shows you what happened between him and Max the year before was something that was really uncalled for, either from Lewis or either from Max, because when he was going to go for the same move that he was going for with Max, he backed off. And Norris went went through, so that was a bit being re- responsible as both drivers had it. But sentimentally, it's a good thing that we had two British drivers on the podium. But more importantly, <laughs> but more importantly, I just think Lewis was not all about it. Now he he could see where the other car was stronger than them. If if I just looked at the footage from lap. Where, on the laps where there was a lot of pressure on Norris, it seems like Norris' car rotated out of the apex much more better than Lewis's car because coming into the Lewis Hamilton straight on that lap, they were more or less alongside, but coming out of the corner, the, the um, McLaren had much more superior speed down the straight. I think the other guys had compromised. They had more downforce and the other one had less downforce so on and so forth and probably the updates as well had something to play with it most definitely but in rotation coming out of corners it looked like to me that the mclaren had the measure on the mercedes
0: Ugh, it's such a disappointment i think we were all watching those last couple of laps and when mclaren put the hards on I felt like in my brain i was like this is a really silly decision um but then to see how it panned out on track with lewis having in my personal opinion the better tire and still not being able to make that overtake. Maybe McLaren made a good choice with going on the hards, Matthew.
1: No, it definitely did. I think for them, they have more data readily available for us to see. So, you know, again, with the tires, it's all a gamble. And so they took that risk. And I think what McLaren were looking for was more or less consistency. Look, with the ever threat of rain and everyone chopping and changing their tires, I don't think they wanted to miss out on an opportunity to get some consistent points. And I think that with their upgrades is what they really went after because you lose a lot of time in the pits and people were losing places and dropping quite quickly. But also, credit where credit's due, Piastri proved he was right and he earned his salary 100% for McLaren. He proved himself. He's got good skill behind the car. The upgrades really helped him. So I think it also just put a lot of confidence in Zach Brown's decision to replace Daniel with Piastri. Um, but again, still a lot to see. And he did kind of help push Norris over the line to get him to that position so yeah it's, it was all a gamble it was all a bit of luck and to be honest for anyone listening you can come at me but to be honest good performance for McLaren but I don't think that's an indication on how their season's gonna go
0: yeah I'm also not not awfully positive about it but we can only hope because I think it also gave Lando that little bit of extra confidence and boost that he needs I think he he needed a podium he needed a little bit of motivation and I think that's exactly what you know um Silverstone did for him. And somebody else that also needs a little bit of motivation and we're talking about overtakes is Charles Leclerc because geez Louise, I would also hate to be overtaken by a Williams driving a Ferrari.
2: It's a sad state of affairs, to be quite honest, eh?
0: <laughs> is that all you have to say? Chops is like, I don't even want to talk to this. I have like few words and it's a sad state of affairs. <laughs> I mean,
2: I mean, if you really look into it, I mean, Williams has been a, a team that's been running at the back, and it's a team that has been struggling very much so, and credit to them that they've got a car that they can fight in the middle or at the back with the back markers. But all of a sudden, a Williams overtaking a Ferrari, that's quite hurtful. And i, I it's just beyond belief. Of course, there's a management problem again at Ferrari, and there's also a driver management problem at Ferrari. The drivers played quite well in everybody else's face. But behind the scenes, Carlos Sites has not wants to give in the fact that he's probably the number two driver at this stage. And that, on its own, hurts the team from developing the car and going further. Because remember... In test sessions, they need to bring feedback so that the car could be set up in the way that it should go. And if someone is bringing false information and not bringing a balanced view on how the car is to be set up in helping each other, striving for a one and two, it helps nobody. So there's a fundamental problem at Ferrari in management and in its drivers. So someone needs to come in there and rescue that team. Otherwise, they're going backwards backwards. Re- regardless of what they've spent and what they've done to redeem themselves, to be in the positions that they are in, they're just plowing backwards now.
0: Maybe they should give Daniel Ricciardo a call and have a chat about how to do redemption properly,
2: Matthew. I think that's where the the conversation should actually be going. That's probably, and if I look at it, I just think, having said that, Kriya, I I tend to think Daniel might end up at Ferrari.
1: It's a, look. It's a it's a tough call because I mean, j- before we head into that, it's also important to know that you know, after the Austrian Grand Prix, Ferrari looked like they really turned the corner and they were going to have the second best car, but you know, once again, a lot of inconsistencies um, from the front row. Carl, you know, Carlos and that relationship, we all know that that marriage is incredibly difficult to watch because. We saw them get good promising points for the weekend. In the race, Leclerc was notably slower than chasing Russell in the Mercedes for top-end performance. And then after they collected fresh tyres, Russell just breezed past him and collected another position. And then in terms of strategy, I mean, it was just a whole combination of them. Later, it was just blamed on safety car or positions that for pit stops or poor race uh, strategy, then science's missteps for Perez's battle and Leclerc couldn't amount to an assault on Albon. It was just, you know, when, when things just go wrong and you have one of those days and you get the awful email, then you get your boss coming at you. And then someone is asking for this and you forget to do that. That's what it kind of felt like. And it just felt very, very, very much like Maranolo's imploding, and if they don't get it right, they'll go from a team that could afford Red Bull to a team that's going to try fighter Williams.
0: You know what? I, I always in my brain think that bad things happen in threes. Like, you know, you stump your toe, then your your shirt gets hooked on the door, and then you break your favorite coffee mug. Things always oh. happen in threes. And to be honest, I thought that Ferrari would have things happening in threes in a small period of time. But I feel like things are going to happen in three bad years at this rate.
1: Yeah, look, there's an interesting theory, um, which Jeremy Clarkson says, and I kind of stick by it. It's, It's when Ferrari make really good road cars, they're terrible at F1. And when Ferrari are good at F1, they made really bad road cars. And currently, the current crop of road cars Ferrari make are really nice. And they're really good. Um, and they just do everything that everybody wants. And it's kind of like, you know, the F1 team is not doing so good, but I don't know. It's it's a Ferrari curse. We all know it's been happening. They just, they churn out the worst of people. They get these top tier drivers. They got Vettel and then they spat him out and they got everyone else. It just, it doesn't work. There's a bigger problem at hand that everyone can see. We all know that they've got their car. They definitely have it. They've got two top talented drivers, but every time you watch it unfold every weekend, it's, it's so embarrassing. I'm not a Ferrari fan, but I feel sorry for them now. And I'm like, I really don't like you guys, but I hate seeing you guys perform like Struggle this. Struggle this much. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Let's talk, um, the race coming up this weekend, of course, it's the Hungarian Grand Prix. We're super excited about it. It's a very different track than the tracks we've been on in the last couple of weeks. Um, And I think it's going to it's going to present a whole new challenge to some drivers and some of the upgrades like we discussed. Um, But one thing, Chops, that's changing quite massively is the format of qualifying and testing and stuff like that and essentially it's not as massive as everyone's talking about because all it really has to do is with the tires can
2: between the two of
0: you talk us through exactly what this means
2: i just think what it entails is just a balance in performance in terms of trying to get them to use an equal set of number of tires and more importantly obviously the compounds do play a a, a a massive role in how the car is is set up if they're not bringing balance of performance through your drs they now have to then find another solution to slow down the front packs and make sure that there's more or less an equal footing now on tires maybe they're using the same softs or they're using the same um tires going over the line or they've got an equal number of tires um, on on a race weekend and in testing, so on and so forth. Um, and that's not going to really make a change on, on Red Bull. Sometimes the changes are done just to bring the front runners back into everybody else, but it never really works. I mean, uh, we always say that the Red Bull has got probably 30% that it's really unleashed and and the problem comes in, when people think they've caught on to the Red Bull, the Red Bull just keeps going faster and faster and faster.
0: Yeah, and I think, to be honest, um, Max getting his 12th win in a row and getting that world record, I mean, the last time that record was taken was 35 years ago, um, is definitely a possibility this weekend. And to be honest, this changes in terms of what the tyre allocation is, Matthew. I don't think it's going to make any impact specifically on Max's race.
1: No, look... Red Bull are very good at at getting the the tires right. I think what it does is in the world of gaming, it's called a nerf where you kind of even out things. So um, for people listening, qualifying format will be Q1, you're only allowed to use hard tires, Q2, medium tires, Q3, soft tires. Um, And what this does not only for teams but also for drivers is you can extract the most out of a certain tire so that you can actually, you know, you have to work hard to get those places, but it gives you enough data to see what you can use for the race. But at the same time, you can go into it and teams can have open strategy because as you know, someone will come in two seconds later, the first person to jump into the pits, everyone's gonna watch their tire data. Whereas now here, everyone's on the same tire and everyone can see what the top teams are performing on the hard tires. Normally you don't really put the hard tires on unless you want to go for the longer stint. So Mm. everyone will be watching the top teams like Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull to see, because at the end of the day, like we've seen with the McLarens, like we've seen with Kevin Magnussen last year with his, you know, incredible performance, it's all about luck and strategy. And if you can kind of see through the gaps, time it with the weather, the track temperature, teams might actually have a competitive advantage to get themselves out of Q3 and to get themselves into top 10. And Williams will definitely be looking at this, especially with Hungary being very power dominant and something that allows for a lot more top speed. Um, The Williams will will be targeting the Ferraris, definitely. (laughs) So tires will play an important part. And look, whether we like it or not, they're trying to do what they can for the sport. And also, you know, with the potential of another tire manufacturer coming in, um, This gives good indication of where it's going to go. And um, yeah, it it should be interesting. But again, it's for the fans. It's not really for the teams. Teams don't want this, but we want to see because, I mean, imagine a Mercedes trying to put hard, hard tires on Q1. That's going to be a circus.
0: I think also the fact that it's going to be unbelievably hot this weekend is going to help specifically those hard tires in Q1.
1: Not necessarily, because it takes quite a while to get temperature into those hard tires. And that's something that I've seen the Mercedes struggle with. And you want, I mean, Chops is the expert here. I just know from my knowledge of, of reading and watching. But generally, a hot circuit, a, a soft, sticky tire gets you the fastest lap. But now, if you're basically going to come out of the pits from warmers into that Q1 on hard tires, Q1 is going to be such a circus for everyone just you know, there's going to be so much traffic and people are going to have timed laps and there's going to be issues where someone's being held back. So I think, you know, for teams who've never experienced this before, it's it's going to be quite a circus because we know that a lot of guys hog traffic space and they make it really difficult. So timing is going to be everything. I think it's going to be quite full of drama and lots of swearing and beeping um, when they start their quality. <laughs>
2: I'll be sad if red bull throws it away but we've we've seen over time and time again the red bull chassis works on all tires there's no tire that that car doesn't work with whether it's hard whether it's soft whether it's semi slicks or whatever the case may be the red bull has proven time and time again that the chassis is flexible to work with any tire whereas with mercedes have come through leaps and bounds to be where they are so the marginally improved on the tire um, aspect of, of the vehicle and how they can quickly switch them on. But what's interesting is that everybody's going to be in the same compound and we're going to see um, the top teams being at the top and we'll see the middle field juggling in between and others coming across overs. hopefully this time. Ferrari's not going to be tripping over Williams, and the Williams are not going to be tripping over Ferrari. Maybe Ferrari might stand their ground. But in those hot conditions, uh, it, it, it normally works out for those, for those top teams either way. I just hope that they, they, Ferrari is able to make the best of it. So is Mercedes, because we know Red Bull, they're stronger in all compounds.
0: All right, I think that brings us to the time of the show where we've got to talk predictions. Matthew, Red Bull, Red Bull... Who's
1: your third? Look, I'm going to be honest here, and it's going to shock you. Um, Look, Max obviously goes P1 for me, but um, something that will shock a lot of people. I've seen a dip in performance in in the Astons. I think we didn't mention that, but they've kind of just fallen off quite heavily. And Mm, that's quite quite interesting. So my P1 will be Max. P2, I'm going to put Lewis. I think that car and him is quite favorable for the circuit. Um, Sergio, um, I don't have enough confidence yet in Sergio based on how things have been going in. So I'm going to put Sergio at a comfortable P5. And then interestingly, oh. I know, very shocking, interestingly uh, for mm. my P3, I'm, I'm going to stick in a cheeky George Russell. I just think oh. that that pairing and based on their data and how they performed in the previous circuit, quite similar to Hungar Ring and how they know how to work the tires. And we've seen how they did in the previous era. Um, I'm going to do Max, Lewis, and George. Um, For some reason, that's where it's going. I think Sergio might go in for a P4. But I think for me, Max, Lewis, George, for me, which is quite a shocker, I know.
0: (laughs) Okay, interesting. We'll have to see what happens. Chops, who's on your um, top three?
2: So my top three would be Max. And in this instance, I think um Ferrari will be there if I were to choose at Ferrari I'll take sight. and then third I'll I'll, I'll go for Lewis and Sergio Okay Ford.
0: interesting I'm I'm yeah. I'm quite surprised um one because I I'm so despondent when it comes to Ferrari at the moment that I'm like meh. I don't even think they're going to get out <laughs> of the garage at this rate It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, sad so <laughs> Do you think the cars will arrive in Hungary? No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I, I, obviously Max, I think, is going to get his thirteen, his um, his twelfth win uh, and break that world record. Um, so uh, definitely my number one spot there. For my second, I can only dream and put Daniel Ricciardo there, but we know it's not going to happen. Um, so I think I'm going to go with a Lewis as well. And you know what? I'm going to give Norris a little bit of a kudos there in number three because I think he's, his self-confidence is up. And we all know once Norris has a bit of self-confidence, he drives really well. So I'm going to put Norris in. Hmm. Fair. Fair, very fair. 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 <laughs> Chops fair, is like, I don't fair. believe you, but fair. <laughs> <laughs>
2: fair, fair. I, fair. You know what normally happens is that these cars work very differently in Silverstone than they work in other circuits. So that mm. particular circuit, in my mind, I think, is quite taxing on the car. And McLaren had a very good, um, They was switched on on the day. I'm not saying they're not going to be switched on on this day. I think the track temperatures and what is predicted in terms of heat normally doesn't really work favorable for McLaren. But, I mean, we don't know. Maybe they've, they've been able <laughs> to get their act together.
0: In Formula One, anything can happen. (laughs) It's the cooling
2: effect. That's that's a concern on those circuits. But Red Bull have aced that. I'm also concerned that Mercedes might have not got that cooling thing out of the window as yet. So we'll see. I, I just predict that they might be in the podium. Ferrari might be in the podium, but Max is going to be... Creaming it.
0: Yeah, we all know. I think we should just give Max the rest of the trophies for the year and call it a day for him. He can go and sit and play um, uh, simulator or PlayStation on a yacht in the middle of the you know <laughs> ocean and just enjoy himself for the rest of the year.
2: I thought by now that would it would it would have seemed that just give the championship to Max and let's see what happens with second and third, and then yeah. come back next year, give that championship to Max, and then we'll talk in twenty twenty six
0: you make some very valid points well Jen, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for chatting to me about formula one of course grace great race weekend we go back to normal format so it is qualifying or free practice qualifying and then race on sunday and i can't wait to see if some of your predictions come right chops matthew or as my um name here on my system says christian horner uh thank you so much for chatting to us today (laughs)
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank Thanks for chatting, chap.